The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on a Wednesday, whether it's on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, or streaming online, 1069thefan.com. Thanks for joining us, or even if you're listening to this after the fact that we're on the air on our podcast, which you can find on 1069thefan.com or in a lot of other places wherever you can find podcasts. Just search for the Full Court Press. Search Eric Franson or Ajay Salveson, and you'll find us. We'll be there. Or in this case, and in this hour, search Ethan Dursteller, which, by the way, as Ethan Dursteller of the NFL joins us. Uh, Ethan, you uh, had your first podcast come out. Can you kind of introduce us, or I guess the Full Court Press World to your podcast, and how we can find it and, and what it contains? Sure. So the podcast is called uh, More Than a Game with Ethan Dursteller. Uh, our first interview was this past week with Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox. It was, a, you know, it was cool. We had him on. He came. He talked uh, sports. When, is, when are the Olympics coming back to Utah? What else did we touch on? We touched on social justice and sports, uh, the, the, what, what moves he felt the Jazz should make. And, there's, and Ethan asked a great question at the very first of the show that these political guys, you say, oh, are they really sports fans? Or are they just there to, to groove the public and, you know, and, you know, spread it out like, hey, yes, I, I am passionate about it. And Lieutenant Governor Cox wasn't really offended by the question, but he's like, yeah, I'm a passionate fan. Yeah, I care about the Jazz. Yeah, I love football. I, I love watching our teams play in the state of Utah. And you could just kind of tell by the tone of his voice, and he explained why. You know, that, uh, you know, he used to be this uh, – he said he used to be a short and slow back in the day when he was a kid, but he was a mean church ball player. Uh, <laughs> he Honestly, he loves sports with an absolute passion, which was really cool to hear him talk about that. Yeah, it was cool to have him on. I thought he was fantastic, very gracious with his time. Uh, and, you know, hopefully we'll be able to have him on in the future. The idea behind the podcast is kind of to have, you know, different political figures come on and talk sports. A lot of them, as you know, like to talk about things other than politics. So it's fun to have them on have them kick back, relax a little bit, and talk about something that isn't their day job. And it's something we can all, uh, you know, rally around and, and something we all enjoy. So I was appreciative to him for coming on and uh, hope everybody will tune in and give it a listen. What's your podcast called? Where can people find it? You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher. It's uh, More Than a Game with Ethan Dursteller. So you can type in Ethan Dursteller. You can type in uh, More Than a Game. Both of those will pull it up. That's awesome, and we're excited to we're excited to see what you uh, bring apart with that and the guests you have on, and uh, yeah, should have a good one next week as well. Well, just some of them will be a good one. <laughs> uh, Eric, it is our NFL hour. Uh, the NFL finally is beginning. Uh, the biggest question: Will Tom Brady win ring number seven? <laughs> and is it who's better? Is it Belichick or is it Brady? That is the biggest question in the NFL. Right. Is That's it... what everyone cares about. No one cares about anything else. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but. <laughs> That is certainly one of the big questions is, uh, you know, was Tom Brady a product of Bill Belichick or was Bill Belichick successful because of Tom Brady? And I think that we'll find that both of them are successful in their own way, driven people that are yeah. going to find some success. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, I think it's unfair to say, you know, no matter what happens this year, it's unfair to crucify the person who may or may not fail, right? It, just because they were together for so long. Like, if Tom Brady has a bad season, it could be because he's not with Bill Belichick, but it could also be because he's 43. So I think it's tough to to make this the end-all, be-all in the argument, is it Tom or is it Bill? But it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited to see him play against each other. Hey, uh, Ethan, for you as an NFL employee, based on what your position is, um, I remember texting you, I think, yesterday, you know, about what your schedule's like, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I forgot it was Tuesday. I've been absolutely swamped. What is Ethan's life in the NFL right now like in regards to your duties and priorities as we get ready for the 2020-21 season? Well, I mean, to, to most listeners, it's going to be really boring, right, because not a lot of it has to do with the, the actual playing of the game. You know, it's very much uh, just like any other office job. Uh, but, you know, our concern right now, our biggest concern, obviously, is making sure that we can play the season uh, in the midst of a pandemic. So a lot of the work that we're doing uh, is in relation to working with different different uh, state and local authorities to you know, A, make sure that the games can happen, and, and, and then B, make sure that we do do host the games in a way that's safe for the community uh, while providing you know, a high-quality entertainment value to to the local communities that do a lot for, for the league. So a lot of it is working with different, uh, you know, government officials. A lot of a lot of my time this week has been spent, uh, you know, coordinating with different team government affairs officials uh, to, on collaborating around content that we can push out, you know, to make sure that everybody knows how how hard we are trying to uh, do this safely in the midst of the pandemic. So lots of coordinating, working with 32 different clubs, right, to make sure that the season, you know, kicks off right uh, right on uh, on Thursday and just making sure that the 101st season is, is safe and, and a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, what do you get most excited about? I mean, I know as an employee, but even as a fan of the NFL, what do you get most excited about in general about NFL season starting? Well, I mean, I'm a fan first, right? So, so as an employee, it's like, oh yeah, we make money. But, but as a fan, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's just the 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 game of football, right? I'm a huge football fan. It's been part of my life forever, and just having the sport around, being able to watch the best in their field do it, uh, you know, the other stuff, the peripheral stuff, doesn't matter to me. Just being able to watch the game, uh, and, and really, you know learn and watch these guys practice their craft is, is exciting to me and I think it's 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 an absolute blast I'm I cannot I could I can't express how excited I am for for the season to kick off tomorrow one of the things that's uh besides the whole Tom Brady Bill Belichick thing uh, <laughs> that's going to be interesting this year you know the Kansas City Chiefs I I, I keep uh, what's the right term keep finding myself baffled by how often I hear or read in different publications about a dynasty in the making. Yeah, great. that needs they, to stop. They won a Super Bowl. Yeah, that that's, needs to stop. That's great, but we're so quick to try to declare a, a, a dynasty when they've only won one. When they've won three or four, they've been to multiple Super Bowls, let's start to talk about it. But there's still a lot of excitement about that Kansas City franchise. Not a big market, but they've got uh, some great talent and a lot of excitement coming in, and they're going to get things started off right tomorrow night when they host the Texans. So a lot of excitement about some young superstars in the NFL, a real face uh, that uh, Patrick Mahomes, how he's maybe bringing additional people. Is that possible that he's bringing new people, uh, introducing them to the NFL? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, also it helps that he's an African-American. And so he's he's a young, successful African-American quarterback, of which there haven't been a lot in the history of the NFL, right? So he, he like you said, like you said, Eric, opens up 
an entirely new fan base uh, that, that the NFL has had a hard time tapping into in the past. So, you know, his demographic, just who he is as a person, you know, he's really personable. He's down to earth, uh, other than the fact that he just bought his fiance an eight carat diamond ring to propose <laughs> with. Uh, but, you know, he seems like it's a down to earth guy. He's really, he's really chill. He's happy to stay in Kansas, stay in Kansas City. And I think that that is really what kind of separates him from other superstars, not just in the NFL, but in, in, in the American sports landscape, right? Is that he signed a long-term, con- long-term contract with the team that drafted him in a small market. He's committed to helping them win. He's committed to, to doing all he can for the city of, uh, city of Kansas City in the state of Missouri. Um, and so I think he's just really relatable and, 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 again, down to earth, and people enjoy watching him play and enjoy supporting him. He's an easy guy to root for. One of the other things that's exciting for this this upcoming season is that there are two new state-of-the-art arenas. I mean, every now and then there will be a new facility or there will be a remodel. But this year, there's like and they're gorgeous. two oh my amazing Beautiful. arenas, one in Los Angeles and one in Las Vegas. From an NFL point of view, what does that mean for the NFL brand when there's a new arena like that that comes online? I think it's really important for us because it, it, it's the um – you know, the fruits of working closely with a community that's supportive of the NFL and supportive of the team, right? So so Los Angeles, for example, worked incredibly hard to uh, help the Cranky family and the Los Angeles Rams organization and the Chargers organization build that that stadium. And so it's really just, you know, it's a show of, of us working with our fans and with partners to really give our fans the best experience possible. Same, same with the Las Vegas Stadium. So it does a lot for the brand. It does a lot for the local community. Both of these stadiums were built for the most part with private funds, which, uh, you, know, the, you know, NFL teams have gotten a lot of flack in the past for, you know, being the, the beneficiary of, of different, uh, you know, bonds and or tax dollars. So uh, I, I think that these two stadiums in particular, which, like you mentioned, Eric, are truly state of the art, are truly like the, the best facilities that you can get when it comes to not just sport, not just football, but, you know, concerts, just an entertainment venue. They do a lot for our brand and they do a lot for the communities that they're in, which is important to us. Ethan, who will host the Super Bowl first, Los Angeles or Las Vegas? Ooh, I, I don't know. I, I was purely speculative. Yeah, I would yeah, say no, Vegas, obviously. right? I mean, think Vegas has the draft in 2021 or 2022. So, you know, they, they have the draft. It's kind of a pre-run to see how well the city can do when hosting a major NFL event. And you know, I'm sure they're going to do a fantastic job. And, and if that goes well, then I, I don't see a reason why there couldn't be a Super Bowl anytime soon. In, oh man, Las Vegas, that'd be so awesome. It'd be close, right? I mean, people from Utah that have never had access it, to Super Bowl. That would be amazing. Yeah. That'd be crazy. Yeah. yeah. I know there's a lot of people in Logan, actually, that have bought season tickets for, for the Raiders. So That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I know some people down in St. George who it's a business investment to uh, to buy Why seats. not? It'd be crazy it, not to. It's not only for football, but if they do concerts there and you have first opportunity to oh, buy yeah. tickets when there's different events that take place in the in that venue. So And it's Vegas, right? So there's going to be events. There's going to be ve- – I mean, it's going to be a heck of a venue. And I think, you know, Lieutenant Governor Cox even mentioned when we were talking to him that – that the uh, the Utah market played a role in the NFL deciding to build to bring a team to Las Vegas because they knew that there were so many avid sports fans in in Utah that would buy season tickets licenses that would support the team and that played a role in in the, in the team deciding to relocate to Vegas. Awesome. Okay, so this kind of leads me to my next question: with a place like Vegas, where it could be a, it's a destination location, uh, it, the Raiders may have a hard time developing their own strong fan base, where. If you're follow the Green Bay Packers, it's going to be really enticing in late November to go to Las Vegas, uh, or if there happened to be a game like that in late that time of year. But in 
other venues, especially northern states, to come to Las Vegas to get out of the cold and have a traveling fan base that goes there. Um, it, certainly Arizona has, has seen this with their baseball team, that they often see more or, or larger fan bases of their traveling uh, opponents than they do for their home teams. <laughs> uh, ESPN recently put together an interesting list saying that the the uh, will the twenty well the, the headline is will the twenty twenty NFL season see the death of home field advantage, and it goes through saying that really over the last several years there really hasn't been much of a home field advantage in the NFL. Uh, part of it is just uh, you know travel related, uh, how teams get to and from venues are are better. Uh, teams nutrition is is makes a big difference. Mental space, you know, there's the coaching and everything that goes into preparing a player. To, to play a game. So home field advantage may not really mean as much anymore in the NFL. Uh, I thought that's interesting. Yeah. Well, especially uh, this year, right? With, uh, you know, there's only six teams that will definitely have fans. So if there's no fans, even if you're pumping in fan noise, that's probably going to play a significant role in the, the continued uh, disintegration of the home of home field advantage. I would think. But I don't know, I, like you mentioned with Las Vegas, you know, you did say it's a destination town. And I think that, you know, obviously the league takes that into consideration when they're picking markets. I think that we were really impressed by, and, and the Raiders organization more so was really impressed by the Golden Knights and their their fan base that they were able to establish really quick when the NHL went to went to Las Vegas. You know, you go, you go to those games and you watch them on TV. And the Knights have as a, an a, as avid a fan base as, as any team in the NHL, right? So yeah, people true. were impressed by that. You know, they they they, uh, they they figured, you know, if we can put a winning product on the field, we're going to tap into that same uh, fan base that the Knights were able to tap into. And so I think that that played a significant role in deciding to do that. But also, like you mentioned, it is a destination town, and and that's fun. You know, you have opposing teams' fans that come, and and it's, it'll be a cool cool uh, experience for everybody that comes. Yeah, I actually think that'd be kind of fun. Honestly, yeah, you, you go to a game and. Uh, say if you're in the Las Vegas, you go to those games, uh, you're there for the Raiders, but you're going to see large swaths of the opponent of fan base that's going to be there. Where if, if you went to Kansas City, it's probably mostly all going to be Chiefs fans. It's all red, right? All red <laughs> in Kansas City. I think it may be even similar to when we have the games in London, right? Where even if it's the Jaguars and the Colts playing, you have jerseys from all 32 NFL teams because these people live in London. They can't really go and see you know, teams in the United States play. And, you know, Vegas, while while it's a central location and a big destination city, is kind of in the middle of nowhere. You know, there's a lot of folks that live in the surrounding areas, Utah, you know, northern Nevada, northern Arizona, that don't really have the opportunity to go to NFL games very often but are avid fans. So you may see people just going to the stadium to watch NFL football and like, wearing a team's jersey that's not even playing in the game. So I think it'll just be more, you know, kind of an ode to the game of football, an opportunity for people that haven't had the opportunity to go to an NFL game before to be able to go and take advantage of a truly, you know, amazing sporting experience. What is the popularity of some of these young, I mean, like you see what Steph Curry has done to the NBA world and the fans were, I mean, everyone's wearing a Curry jersey or something to that effect or Giannis or LeBron. Who is the face of the fans for in regards to the NFL? Is it Patrick Mahomes? Is I, it Lamar Jackson? Who is that guy? I think I don't think there is a guy like that because the the NBA is a very player driven league, right? Like people, kids these days are LeBron fans. They're not necessarily Jazz fans, right? Like my biggest pet peeve in the world is going to a Jazz game and there's a bunch See, of kids yeah. from the East Bench in Salt Lake that are wearing like Steph Curry jerseys, yeah. right? And you're just like, it's atrocious. It's a generational thing, right? 
So with the NFL, you know, while there are certain people that, that kids love and, and that people gravitate towards, like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, it is a much more team-based sport, right, Like the, in terms of fandom. So I'm a Broncos fan, right, or, or I'm a 49ers fan. I don't care who the quarterback is. I'm cheering for the 49ers. Sure. So I think that, you know, that we do have young stars, which really contributes to the success of the NFL because you have these guys come from local colleges – that, and people really fall in love with them and they want to cheer for them at the NFL. But once they – at the NFL level, but once they get to that NFL level, I think they become more a part of the team because football is the ultimate team sport, right? And, and, and it just – that kind of bleeds into the fandom of the sport. It's more of a fan ba- a team-based fan experience, whereas the NBA is more of a player-driven fan experience, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, and I think another part, too, is the – the fundamental differences in how players play the game. In, in the NBA, they're not wearing shoulder pads and a helmet that obscures their face. Um, and so you you see their facial expressions. You hear them talk. Uh, you see how they react. The NFL, it's it's different. One thing about Mahomes is you always see a lot of replays. He's quick to take his helmet off when he's going to the sidelines so people can see his face and he can get excited. And that's what's so fun to watch about him is you can see his joy, and that's fun. And not a lot of guys – do that. I wonder if that may be something that starts to change a little bit is to focus in more on, you know, the the face and the players and their reactions. Yeah, sure. I think player marketing is always evolving, right? These guys want to be brands because it's a good way to, to make a living for their family. So why not? Why not take your helmet off if you can? <laughs> uh, I want to get to our, our, our football preview here. I know we got to go to break and then we'll, we'll get into it. I got to get previews and predictions from you, from Ethan, of course, and from, from Eric um, of where things stand because this might be not only is it just a unique year, obviously because uh, of COVID nineteen, but more balanced than we've seen in quite some time. I mean, the Patriots no longer own the AFC East. Um, they might be the defending champs of the AFC East, but the way the AFC East is built now with Buffalo, Miami looks like they've gotten better. Uh, Von Miller is now out for the Broncos. What does that do to the AFC West? Tom Brady goes to the NFC South. What does that do to that con? That division, by what a spicy game that is on Sunday afternoon. Tampa Bay, New Orleans at 225 Mountain Time on Fox. By the way, that game will be on this station, uh, on this radio station. So if you are driving around, we will have Tampa Bay and New Orleans on this station, which is going to be pretty dang awesome. I know where you're going to be. I will be in my car. (laughs) You will be listening. I will be absolutely in my car listening to 106 on the fan. Uh, So, yeah, we'll get to predictions and previews. I want to hear how Ethan feels like New England's going to make the Super Bowl and why. And then, of course, uh, I got to hear why Eric thinks that Washington football will be in the NFC championship and why. (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) All right. uh, More about the NFL. Of course, if you have questions or comments about the upcoming NFL season, questions for Ethan, uh, 435-339-0321 to join us here on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Ethan Dursteller with the NFL joining us. Boy, thanks for hopping on with me yesterday. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. That was uh, It was quick, but it was sure fun. That yeah, was good. Rapid fire. I uh, love it. Uh, we, If you missed it, we talked about uh, expanded rosters, uh, injured reserve list, expanded 
practice squads. That's going to be a big thing, I think, coming into the season. With uh, I, I think it's needed anyway, but especially in an era where you may have guys get sick or yeah. you know, they opt out because of COVID, and it gives you know, player safety more important to you know give the, the team more options to rotate guys through so you don't have to try to rush somebody back. Sure, yeah. I think, like I mentioned yesterday, you know, this was already built in in the new CBA. It felt like the CBA was very timely because it provided access to more players. But, yeah, like you mentioned, Eric, it's going to be it's gonna be big in terms of, you know, positive tests. There will be positive tests, so it's important to have a deeper roster uh, and just making sure that, you know, more guys have an opportunity to make it in the league. Uh, let's start off here for the 2020-21 season. Who, who's your like most interesting team? Not favorite team, but just most intriguing team for whatever reason that you want to just kind of keep your eyes on. Most intriguing team. I mean, when it just based on simple intrigue, can you say anybody but the Bucks? Right. I mean, you got Tom Brady and Grant coming sure. back. You have Bruce Arians. You have a good defense. You have you know a lot of, of new of new things. So intriguing. I've got it, Leonard Fournette. You got Leonard. That's Fournette. right. He I had. Mean, does he help, or I mean, he's gonna lose carries, isn't he? Tom Brady at the helm with this receiving corps is—that's pretty hard to ignore. Yeah, he'll lose carries, but I think that's a good thing for him, right? Like, no running back wants to get the ball thirty times a game and just get destroyed, especially once they're past you know three or four years in their career. So, I think it'll be good for him. They have two other good running backs there, and Shady McCoy and and Rojo. So, it'll be interesting to see you know just how many carries he gets. But I think they'll be able to use him in you know short yardage, third down situations where he need to he needs to punch it across the line. He'll be able to stay more healthy. And, and, you know, when he's playing for the Jaguars, he never really played with a quarterback. He played with Gardner yeah. Minshew. He played he with Nick Foles. he come out and Foles. say something like that, yeah, too? Yeah, he said something. <laughs> I've never had a quarterback. So, <laughs> yeah, he was playing. I think I saw a statistic that, that uh, on average, last season, he played he played uh, uh, against a stacked box, which means there's eight guys in the box. Uh, and the box, for people who don't know, is linebackers and defensive defensive ends. 33 per, sorry, 43.8% of the time that he was on the field. Again, last year, the Bucks without LeSean, with without Leonard Fournette faced the stacked box only 20% of the time. And that was with Jameis Winston. So when you add an actual quarterback in there and Tom Brady, I think that it will make a huge difference. You know, he'll be running against, you know, six, seven guys rather than eight, nine guys in the box. That makes a big difference when you're running back. Eric, what about you? I think a team that is intriguing to me to watch um, will be the Rams. The LA That's... Rams. Yeah, it just the 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 glow of a new stadium. Uh, last year, they did not come close to hitting expectations from where they, what they had established the year previous. So, how do they bounce back? Uh, so that's going to be interesting to watch to see what that team looks like because everybody was in love with McVay and what he was doing there, and then well, it wasn't really that great. Maybe he got kind of figured out in the postseason, and then last year wasn't as good. So do they rebound? Do they they've made some interesting acquisitions here in the offseason as well. So did they extend and they extended Jalen Ramsey like a huge money contract? Yeah. High space. And where are they getting that money from? Because I swear they have already I mean, they're over the cap. If there was the cap, yeah, they'd be extremely over. That's the thing about the Rams is you know, everybody kind of blamed it on McVay, but he was so hamstrung with the roster last year because the front office gave out these ridiculous extensions to guys. And they've done that, it again. Yeah, and they, and you thought they would have learned their lesson, but then yeah, they come they out no and they, they offer a gigantic, you know, extension to Jalen Ramsey, who's already kind of old. So they did the same thing with Aqib Talib a couple years ago. 
I don't really get why they think that they should just spend money on old guys because then it hamstrings the roster. There's no depth. And then you end up with what they did with, uh, you know, Todd Gurley and Clay Matthews this offseason where they end up having to buy him out anyway. So, I, I mean, they're intriguing. They have the new, the new the, uh, the flashy stadium. They have a great coach. They have, like, a decent young quarterback, some good weapons. But, you know, they're, they're, they lack so much depth and, and, and spend money in such a way that it kind of makes them less intriguing to me as, as just as a team. I, I think that they're going to have a similar year to last year when they go maybe 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven, yeah. competing for that final wild card spot. You know, Which is intriguing. There is an extra wild card spot sure. this year, too, in both in both leagues, right? There's an extra um, there's an extra playoffs team uh, this year, which I think will make it more exciting and give you know a few more teams that, that are kind of on the bubble a chance to, to compete and, and fans something to cheer for. You know, for me, it's going to be Dallas. Mike McCarthy now comes in with the weapons still available of, mm. of Dak Prescott, of Ezekiel Elliott. You got uh, Gallup, Amari Cooper, and Ricky C.D. Lamb on the offensive side. You still got uh, the Lawrence kid, right? On the defensive side, Demarcus Lawrence, is that him? Yep. Um, but and and Jason Garrett could not make anything to do with that talent, which is amazing to me in a really bad NFC East division. So Mike McCarthy, who did a lot of good things in Green Bay, but was overshadowed by Aaron Rodgers' moody attitude, is is going to be really interesting. If he can get more out of what this talented squad, really talented and easily the most talented in that division. That team could be an NFC championship contending team. Not saying that they get there, but I think they make a strong push for it as long as McCarthy can get that out of them, their full talent from every single one of those guys. I think the thing that intrigues me most about the Cowboys this year is will it be a referendum on Garrett uh, or will it be on the on the quarterback? Yeah, Dak has been really interesting. And again, I don't know. And Kellen, Kellen Moore has been a really – I would say almost overrated offensive coordinator. Like some of his play calling just seems so conservative at such important times, but then he gets aggressive at the wrong times too. And I think sometimes he's trying to show off Dak's arm, but then show off an offensive line. And it's more like, Hey, this is, this is my play calling system. And this is how it works. Instead of allowing it to wrap around what the talent he's got. I mean, Amari Cooper's incredible. Uh, CD lambs wouldn't be one of the quickest wide receivers, if not in the slot that he might have in the NFL. Like, he's got talent. If he would just get out of his own way and quit using his ego instead of – or quit using his ego and start using the talent, they're unstoppable, especially in the NFC East. Yeah, I just – yeah, I think this will be an interesting year for them to to determine was Dak Prescott uh, kind of slowed down because of coaching mm-hmm. decisions mm-hmm. or was he real, not really that good? Yeah. A, a decent quarterback, but not a really good or a great quarterback. And we know that Mike McCarthy is really good at getting the most out of your quarterback. Yeah. So we're going to so find out pretty quickly. It is really That's a good point you bring up. Higher there. Yeah. It could be both, though, right? It could be that Dak isn't as good as they've thought, and then it can also be that like the Jason Garrett special is just going 8-8 eight and eight every year. Uh, because he did that long before Dak got there, right? Like eight yeah, and eight. That's I, I true. remember eight and eight, seven and nine. Like that's Jason Garrett's special. He's really good at that. So uh, I think it could be both. I, I think Dak could be, you know, a little bit less than average of a quarterback, and Jason Garrett could be not a very good head coach. So it'll be interesting to see. I think it will be really interesting because Jason Garrett is still coaching in the NFC East as the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. So maybe we'll look at the New York Giants offense and see how it compares to the Cowboys offense, and that that can help in in answering that question. Uh, I do think Jason Garrett was stale and not a very good head coach, so I'm I lean uh, that way. But it'll be interesting to see, especially like I said, with those two in the same division. So, which team can I ask? Uh, unless you wanted to continue. No, no, no. That. Go ahead. 
I was just going to say, which team uh, is getting a lot of attention but is going to fail to meet those expectations? So that's what runs right in mind. Uh, 533A, I texted in. Peter King has picked Eric, your Miami Dolphins, to win the AFC East this year over the, <laughs> my the Patriots, uh, formerly quarterback by Tom Brady. I'm well, not because Kyle Vannoy is there. It's uh, <laughs> the greatest of all time. He picked the, he picked the Miami Dolphins to win the AFC East? Yeah. Oh, boy. Over Buffalo and New England. Here's the thing. New England's a really interesting football team, right? I mean, Cam Newton's coming back or not coming. He comes off a serious injury, uh, but they've lost a lot of defensive talent. Some of actually Patrick Chung, one of their defensive captains, has actually opted out for the season. Dante Hightower, same thing. They've lost two offensive linemen. One of them opted out for the season, said no way. Uh, I think the New England Patriots are going to miserably fail this season. And it's not because of Coach Belichick. It's because of the lack of talent they have on the field. And as good as Julian Edelman is, the former Super Bowl MVP, as good as Cam Newton is, the former NFL MVP, the way the AFC East is built this year, again, Brian Flores on one side, you got a talented Buffalo squad, I believe, in the NFC East as well. The Jets are going to Jets. They're going to suck. They're going to be bad. They will be bad for a while. But I just don't see New England being able to compete with a, a Buffalo squad, or even if I dare say a Miami squad, like many would say they, they should or could, I have New England as my underestimated or what was it? Underperforming. Uh, underperforming team of the year, no no doubt. I mean, let's t- let's talk their run in the AFC East, though, right? Like, I have some stats written down. No other team has won the AFC East since 2008, and they lost in a tiebreaker to the Dolphins that year, and Tom Brady was injured. The last time that a, a Brady quarterback team failed to win the AFC East was in 2002. I was seven years old. Uh, I'm 25 now. So, I mean, put that in perspective. It's 18 years. 18 years. They were bad that year, too. They 10 were and bad. 6. They were bad. Ten, I mean, yeah, but 10 and 6. I mean, most fan bases would kill to go 10 and 6. <laughs> like, if you could ask the Browns to go 10 and 6, they'd take that every year. Right? So, since – and it's it's just gotten worse, right? So, since 2010, the Pats have won the division by an average of 3.8 games, and they have never lost it since 2010 by less than two games. So, they've just been so far out of the league – of all of these teams for so long. I think a lot of that obviously had to do with Brady and the talent that they had there on the defense. Uh, like you said, a lot of that defensive talent is gone. Uh, you know, I think that Tom Brady is is almost underestimated now and the leader that he is for an organization and the stability he brings. Uh, I don't think Miami's going to be very good. I, I, I think that they're a year away from being really, really good. Uh, but the Bills are pretty good. They have you, I don't really believe in Josh Allen, but... You know, you look at the weapons that he has around him. Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley. Stephon Diggs and John Brown can take the top off of any defense in the NFL. It doesn't matter who's in the defensive backfield. You're always going to have two guys that can take the top off. You have Cole Beasley underneath. You have two strong running backs in Devin Singletary and Utah and the University of Utah, Zach Moss. So they have weapons on offense. Sean McDermott is a great defensive coordinator. They have Ed Oliver on that offensive line. I think that the, you know this may be the year that the Pats are pushed, at least pushed in the AFC East. Uh, and, and the Bills are really good. I think it will be the Bills. And I th- I have the Bills as a, you know my closet AFC contender. Oh. I think they're going to be really good. So who's your uh, underperforming team? Underperforming, oh, I mean, every team underperforms every year. Every fan base thinks their team's going to go 10-6. Yeah, go sure. Uh, uh, how, about, uh, how about the Falcons? I think some, there's some Falcons buzz out there where people think the Falcons are back, that the, you know, the 28-3 game kind of wrecked them for two years, but this is the year. They just didn't really change anything. You know, Dan Quinn's still there, and, and while he seems to be you know, really well-liked by his players, there just hasn't been a lot of uh, excitement there under his tenure. Uh, Julio Jones is getting older. 
Calvin Ridley had a bad year last year. Matt Ryan also getting older. They lost Devontae Freedom, and I don't know who's going to run the ball there. Uh, so I could a lot of people see them challenging the Bucks and the uh, the Saints and down in the NFC South, but I I think they're going to underperform. And by underperform, I mean maybe nine and seven, ten and six. I don't think they're going to be awful, but I don't think they're going to be anything special. But for a team that I mean, what two three years ago was in the Super Bowl and was one of the most dominating offenses in the league, to all of a sudden to be this, where I mean, last two years they've been a huge disappointment in in uh, and again in a tough division, but still with the talent they have in Matt Ryan and, and this in Julio Jones, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, still nine and seven isn't what you expect out of that squad, and it shouldn't be what you expect out of them. I think they're maybe one of that last sneaking wild card teams in that new wild card spot this year. I agree, they're like the perfect candidate, right? I mean, them and the Browns are the perfect nine and seven sneak in with the new wild card candidates in the AFC and NFC. I mean, those two teams yeah. talk about mediocre. I mean, just sneak right in. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember before we get to Eric? Do you remember like what was it like six, seven, maybe eight years ago, back to back years? The Falcons were the one or two seed, and they both lost, and they lost both divisional games in back-to-back years. Lost to the Packers uh, and Aaron Rodgers. I think that's actually the year Aaron Rodgers and that crew went to the Super Bowl and beat the Steelers. So maybe in 2010, and then in 11, they were like the two seed, and then lost again in another home game in the divisional round after having a bye. That team has just been uh, has been a failure in the playoffs, like nobody else. Even even though they went to the Super Bowl. Had a 28 to 3 lead only to blow it to Tom Brady and the Patriots. I mean, it's just, it's incredible how many ways they have found to lose games that they should have won in the playoffs, especially. Pete so. is going to come after me for this, but maybe it's the Michael Vick curse, you know? Okay, they, Eric, they you better go. Eric, you better go. <laughs> oh, man. All right. The, the, team, my guy. the team for me that I think could be an underperforming team uh, is the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ah, that's who I had second on my list. Yep. Uh, just. I, I'm scratching my head as to why some people think they're going to be so so hot. I'm, there's a lot of good reasons for it. I get that. But Roethlisberger is an aging quarterback. He hasn't been anywhere near his, his former self. Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of questions about what they can do offensively. I think they'll be a decent defensive team. But there's other, other squads in their division. They're going to score a lot more points and are more well-rounded. Um, uh, the Ravens are going to walk away with that division again I think but but I think that the Steelers are getting some attention as a team that could challenge them and could be a, a top team in the in the AFC overall but I don't I'm just not seeing it I just think that Ben Roethlisberger is nowhere close to yep. where he used to be and we're still hanging on to where he was five six seven years ago and he's not that guy Imagine, I'm going to push. I'm going to push back against both you guys a little bit. Really? I think you know, to a year and a, the year, the season before last, you know, three and four years ago, Ben had a tough time. But the season before last, when he threw out his elbow, he was really good. He threw for over 4,500 yards. The Steelers were a good team. He still has some good weapons. I mean, I I went in, I went all in on Juju this year in fantasy football because I think that Ben Roethlisberger is such an upgrade, even at age 36. From Duck Hodges, who just got cut for Josh Dobbs. <laughs> I mean, I think it's important to remember that the Steelers were pretty good and almost made the playoffs last year, and their quarterback's name was Duck Hodge, right? <laughs> so, I, I, while maybe they may not be like this, you know, thrilling, exciting team, I don't see any reason why they can't go ten and six. I think that they're going to be better than the Browns. I don't think they'll push the Ravens, but I do think that they'll be good because Ben Roethlisberger, even at, at half of his half of his talent of, of what he's been in the past is a lot better than Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. So I I, I I had them as one of my surprise teams because I thought a lot of people thought they were going to be worse, th- as bad as they were last year, but uh, I can see where you're coming from. 
You know, ESPN Football Power Index, I love what they do, but they had the offensive ranking projection for the Steelers 21st in the NFL. 21st. And they mainly, and they mainly based it off Ben Roethlisberger alone. I mean, you can look at the receiving corps. You imagine Juju Smithster or Juju Smith Schuster to and and that receiving corps to have a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. That team's nearly unstoppable. Like they're nearly unbeatable alone. Defense is still hanging around, but that offense with a quarterback who is as mobile and athletic and as quick. I mean, because they benefit so much from a system like that. Like Ben Roethlisberger was a was a mobile quarterback and now can barely even. I mean, get around, get around the pocket. You're asking him to. Uh, it's, it's asking. I, I'm with Eric. I mean, that's asking a lot out of the Steelers' offense. I, mean, I respect what they did when they had the quarterback, or excuse me, the running back controversy and how that unfolded, and they were still able to make things work, and it worked out great for them. But I just, I, I fundamentally just Ben Roethlisberger is not Tom Brady at this stage of his career, and he's not Tom, or he's not. Um, you don't think Drew he's Brees. eating avocado ice cream? Yeah, he's not Drew Brees. I want to try He doesn't it, take care of his body the same way those guys do. And so I just I don't I just don't see it. I mean, I think it's a good organization, but I just don't think they're going to be a playoff team. So while, he, we're, while we're on the Steelers, wow. quick shout-out to Ryan Shazier, who retired today. Uh, oh, yeah. Total stud. Had that horrific injury back in 2017. Uh, I think it's awesome that he's just uh, Ke- walking uh, again. Keith Philip just retired today too, right? He did, yeah. He did. Man, he was a— Apparently, Bill Belichick made phone calls to try to— I'm sure he coach did. Him to I'm so glad that he's not like— Look, Tlaib was a good safety, physical as all get out, but I, he was getting really slow, too. I mean, he was getting beat by a lot of younger guys. Like, it's just, it's time to go. So, yeah. It's also time for another timeout here on the Full Court Press. So, let's take it now. Uh, continuing to talk about the upcoming NFL season. It kicks off tomorrow night when the uh, Kansas City Chiefs face the uh, Texan, uh, Houston Texans. 24 nothing. Uh, should be, I don't know, will it be an interesting showdown or will it just be a showcase for the Chiefs? Uh, and the, the rest of everybody else gets underway on Sunday. We'll talk about more of the NFL upcoming season next to the Full Court Press. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric Franz and Ajay Salveson, Ethan Dursteller joining us. He works for the NFL. And the NFL gets started tomorrow. Kansas City Chiefs, Houston Texans. Will this just be a showcase for the Kansas City Chiefs in their defense of their Super Bowl title? Or will this be an interesting showdown between young, dynamic quarterbacks and I think we're making way too much of the Chiefs. Like... <laughs> They were down 24 nothing to this this same Houston Texans team, minus DeAndre Hopkins now this year. And Bill O'Brien, as Ethan kind of said it off air, I love what he said. He's killed this team. He ruined it last year. I mean, on fourth and one on the plus side of the field, he decides to – did he decide to kick a field goal, if I'm not mistaken? I can't remember if he decided to kick a field goal. And he didn't go for it, though. And uh, and so they go up 24 nothing instead of being up 28 nothing. And here comes Kansas City. Like, they feel like that's all the momentum they needed. It's just stopping Houston once out of the end zone, and they were good to go. And then all of a sudden, Houston or Kansas City ran away with it. Um, 
But I, I still, J.J. Watt, Deshaun Watson, I still feel like this team can make a run at it. I don't know if they are AFC contenders, but, I, I mean, this game is going to be a blowout that I think the two of you see. No, I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I think the Chiefs will win pretty handily. I, I think Bill O'Brien's a decent coach, but I don't get why he's still the GM of, of, of the Texans. He's done some really weird things. He gave Laramie Tunsil, who's like a fine left tackle, $22 million a year. He traded the be- one of the best receivers in the game for an aging and overrated David Johnson. He's made con- continually made really weird personnel decisions. And while you say that this is the same Houston, te- Houston Texans team minus DeAndre Hopkins, that's a huge minus. Yeah. I mean, you replace DeAndre <laughs> Hopkins with, yeah. like, I, I mean, that's like, that's like, this is a full court press without Ajay Salveson. Like, it's just a huge That is a huge loss. It's a yeah. huge loss. I am DeAndre right? Hopkins. It's a so, subtraction. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's a big loss. I think, I don't know, I, I really love Deshaun Watson. I'm a big Deshaun Watson believer. Really pumped that he got that big contract. But uh, the team in Kansas City is just so much better than the team in Houston. I don't think Houston's going to be good. I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to make the I think playoffs. I just don't like the whole dynasty thing. Like, Seattle Seahawks, I mean, they... They, they beat the Broncos by how much in the Super Bowl, and everyone's like, oh, here comes this dynasty. Then they lost the next year's Super Bowl. I don't and think that's they the Chiefs' fault, though, right? Like, that's the media's fault. Like, I don't think the Chiefs are coming. Like, I don't think Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes swear, or Travis Kelsey are going Reed, out there being like, like, is this a dynasty? Back-to-back years, Patrick Mahomes, will he be the MVP? Sure, Back-to-back sure. years. But, or- again, that's not the Chiefs' fault. That's, that, that's the media's fault. Like, the Chiefs, I don't think Andy Reid's going out there and being like, call us a dynasty. Here we are. We've arrived. I mean, that's the media's brand. Like, the media just likes to talk about stupid things, right? They want to be like, oh, who is this team a dynasty? Because they have nothing else to talk about because we're in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's the Chiefs' fault. I think they're a really well-run organization. I think they have really good pieces. And while maybe not, I mean, I, well, I agree with you that it's way too early to start talking about that you don't dynasty. I, I mean, I think they're the best team in the NFL this season by quite a while, by quite a large margin. <laughs> okay, so that uh, I think gets to our point. Like, who who's going to contend? Uh, is somebody going to knock? Is it going to be Kansas City? And if not, then who? And who's going to pose the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC? Yeah, let's start with the AFC before we get into the NFC. Oh man. Uh, I mean, so if you just look at the, at the conference odds listed on Action Network, I mean, you got the Chiefs at plus two hundred, you have the Ravens at plus two fifty, uh, you know, and then they have the Steelers, the Colts, the Bills, the Raiders. I, I I don't know why the Steelers and the Colts are so high. I guess there's a lot of people that still are big on on uh, on Philip Rivers, and I spent the last segment defending the Steelers. Now I'm going to say I don't think that they are an AFC contender. I think that the Bills and the Ravens, uh, obviously the Ravens, you can see how Lamar, it is really the same exact team that's even a bit better strength and offensive line, you know, more better defensive backfield, bigger linebackers. I think, it, you know, the Ravens and, and the Bills are the two teams that are going to challenge in the AFC, challenge the Chiefs for that AFC championship. You know, I think Tennessee Titans are going to be a good football team again. I don't expect Ryan Tannehill to have those same outwardly, you know, off the Ryan Tannehill chart numbers that he had last year, especially in the postseason. But I think they've got a balanced attack, especially with Derrick Henry in the backfield. Now you pick up Clowney on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Mike Vrabel is a defensive menace, absolute defensive menace. And I always believe that while offense will win you games, defense wins you championships. I like the Tennessee Titans giving Kansas City all they can handle. I think Baltimore is going to be a good football team. Obviously can't leave them out with what they have, but I think defensively-minded Mike Vrabel squad in Tennessee is going to be really, really big. I think that the Chiefs still come out of the AFC. Uh, just They're well-rounded. They've got a lot of momentum, a lot of confidence on their side. Great coach. 
Uh, I think the Ravens are going to give them a run for their money, though. Uh, I think it's going to come really close because um, they've got a lot of their guys back, the reigning MVP, regular season MVP. Uh, I, I think that that's going to be a really fun uh, back and forth to see how that plays out throughout the rest of the year. But I, I think that there are a the couple teams that could be interesting in the AFC. I think the Patriots could be an interesting team. I think Belichick is a great coach. As much as I like to tease Andrzej and back on them, I think he is a very sound coach, and I think they're going to make some interesting moves that will surprise some people. I, like Andrzej, think the Titans could be a very interesting team. We saw what they did. They surprised some teams in the in the playoffs, and they're just going to build Beat Baltimore. Yeah, so, so I, that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. I think my sleeper, uh, the Bills. I, I think that that's mm-hmm. a team that's uh, that's building. Uh, I think Josh Allen is an okay quarterback. Uh, but I think they've also done some things around him to make that a really, really interesting team. Do you yeah, think, I, I did agree. you say they were going to win the AFC East? By the way, the Bills. I think you? the Bills win the AFC okay. East, and I think I, that I'm if, with you guys I on think that. that if you know Cam Newton goes to the Bills rather than the than the Patriots, that the that the that they really challenge in the AFC. Like you, Eric, I think he's a fine quarterback, but I think that they, outside of the Chiefs and the Ravens, have the best offensive weapons and the strongest defense in the AFC. I mean, I think I think their defense, Sean McDermott, is extraordinarily underrated. Their defense is always so good. You know, even the, the Patriots always have a tough time, time winning there, no, no matter who the quarterback is, no matter what year it is. Um, I, I really believe in the Bills. I think that they're going to really surprise a lot of people and at mm-hmm. least challenge, at least give, you know, those top teams in the AFC a push. All right, well, let's go to the NFC. Who's uh, What are the teams that are going to challenge to make it to the Super Bowl out of the NFC this year? So what, San Francisco was the team last year, right? The yeah, Super Bowl. I, I think that was a – I'm not going to call it a fluke, but I don't think you're seeing that this year. I, I think you see San Francisco as a 10-6 and six football team, maybe 11 – I don't know. It's The NFC – that division, the NFC West, is a lot tougher than people make it. And I, I think, think the NFC West – is the funnest division. In yeah, football. I mean, now I you mean, got Kyler Murray, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, teams. and Larry Fitzgerald on the offensive side of the ball in deep. Arizona, and that is just absolute lethal to me. I still like New Orleans Saints, though. Man, that's a well-rounded coach team. I think Sean Payton's a great coach. I think with Drew Brees there, uh, I, I know the Alvin Kamara situation's a little bit touchy and it's sensitive right now and over there in Louisiana, but, boy, that, they have a defense that – is a bend-but-not-break defense. And I think, again, offensively, Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara. Um, I don't know if Michael Thomas is over there. Uh, Are you going to go without mentioning your boy, Taysom Hill? Well, I mean, look, everybody knows Taysom Hill is the key that drives, uh, the the engine that drives this this Saints team. And I don't need to mention him. You need to mention role players like Drew Brees. You need to mention role players like Alvin Kamara, (laughs) Michael Thomas. Everybody, I mean, you're going to mention Tampa Bay, but you, you already know. What Tom Brady is to Tampa Bay, Taysom Hill is to the New Orleans Saints. Okay. Okay. All right. I got the New Orleans Saints coming out of the NFC. I, I think the NFC is tough. I, I, unlike Ajay, I think the 49ers are really good, but I think that they're dragged down similar to the Bills by a, of an average What makes you think that they're really good? Well, the fact that they were in the Super Bowl last year and almost won it. The fact that they had more sacks, more pressures, more interceptions they were in, than any okay, team last sure, year. Sure, but I mean, like, I mean, their defense was the best defense in the NFL last year. Sure, far and they outplayed away. Kansas City for three of the four quarters in the Super Bowl. I mean, they have a better quarterback. They, they, they're the Super Bowl champions. Easy, right? I mean, they have a better quarterback. If they if had, they a, had better a better quarterback, quarterback. Oh, no, 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 no. That's why I started. That's what I meant to. to no, no, say. no. If they had a better quarterback, they're probably Super Bowl if champions. Had, Jimmy I mean, Garoppolo's Jimmy, not a good quarterback. No, Jimmy Garoppolo. Are you like, kidding me? Maybe I know we had this. Go, we had this conversation already once, didn't we? Have you watched him? Play? Oh my gosh, he's trash, man. Oh, he's, he's not good. trash. Yeah, he's like a, really. He's like so a that game record that they had at the front. 
Oh, my heavens. How many game-winning drives did he have last year? None. He yes, didn't he have did. a game-winning yes, drive last did. year. No, he's tr- yes, he, he did. Threw, he threw he had eight game- passes in the NFC Championship game. F8 passes. Did you need to throw any more? I, I mean, it's the NFL in 2020. You usually throw the ball. Well, sorry that we went to back to the 1990s with, with a running game. I apologize that we didn't. You know, uh, no, turn that, to I mean, your agenda that, that you uh, Kyle Shanahan that you didn't want to watch a ball Kyle game. Shan- my, my hold back on the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan clearly does not believe in the 49ers. Last year in the Super Bowl when they needed to throw it, he didn't throw it because Jimmy G can't. He that's overthrew. Not, that wasn't why he didn't throw it. It's because Kyle Shanahan gets in his own way. He overthrew no, four receivers in no, the end zone. No, that's, that's Look, horrible. Man, I was at the Super Bowl. I watched Congratulations. Jimmy G Congratulations. I watched it on a 15 screen TV. I watched him overthrow no, four that's receivers horrible. in the end zone. Devontae Freeman with Atlanta when Kyle Shanahan, by the way, was the offensive coordinator. And they were supposed to what? Run it? And they decided to throw it? And, and Jimmy they had the G best is an back average and Devontae Freeman, and they couldn't Jimmy stop Jimmy G him. is an average quarterback. So don't tell Most me it's people... Jimmy G. It's Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan's one of the best offensive no, coordinators in the NFL. Not. Yes, Holy he is. Snikes, I'm going to swear. He's one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL. Right, we're running think... out of time. Any other contenders from the NFC for you? Call. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I can't go all in on the 49ers. I can't go in on the Saints. I'm not really a believer in the Cowboys. I think the Seahawks are really good, so maybe I'll stay there myself. Here's the thing with the Seahawks that their defensive rating has went down since the Super Bowl, right? Since 2013, their rating, offensive rating, has went down dramatically. It went from second, or excuse me, first and 13 to like third, right? And then fourth and then fifth, and then took a huge drop off a cliff. I wouldn't say it took a drop off a yes, cliff. Yes, they did. I mean, yes, they're still they, in the top 15 defense. No, nah, I think they were in 20th. Last year, 20th, right? Uh, they were top 15. Then Jimmy G was 20th ranked quarterback. And remember, just remember, Bobby Wagner is on that same defense that took a huge drop off. I mean, they're the Seahawks without half. Sucks when you don't have the help around you. Uh, for me, uh, my contenders in the NFC, I, I think that this is going to be really interesting because I think we have a couple of situations where it's the last stand for some of these guys. Drew Brees in New Orleans. Uh, I, I think it's a kind of a last stand for Aaron Rodgers in, in Green Bay. Um, I think that they're going to – maybe not necessarily a last stand for, for Rodgers, but some of these guys are, are aging quarterbacks that need one big last push to solidify their chance at a, at a ring. And to uh, – and I mean, I think those two guys are going to be Hall of Famers, but I, I think that the, that's going to be a really interesting battle between those two guys. And I also think that the 49ers will still be in the hunt because of the strength of their defense, because of the strength of the, their solid running game. Uh, they're going to be they're going to give themselves a lot of opportunities to win games and to be in a lot of games. I, I think a team that could be surprising, uh, or maybe not surprising, but a team that could continue to do well is the Seahawks. I think they are ahead of schedule where they were. They kind of did a rebuild with some of their key positions, and they're doing better. And I think they've made a big commitment. Uh, to uh, to their quarterback, and they're going to make some interesting moves this year. I think they're going to be in the hunt. I think they're going to improve in their defense as well. So I mean, they traded for uh, for Jamal Adams, who's an elite safety. So that, I mean, that will that will definitely bolster their defense. Yes, that's right. Uh, from uh, from New York, right? Yeah, we, uh, which was ranked 11th last year, by the way. So I think it's going to be fun to see how this NFL season plays out uh, without fans. Well, at least a diminished fan base that's going to be allowed. It's going to be intriguing to see how it continues to play out. And hopefully all games get played and we don't have delays or, or cancellations. Uh, but anyway, that's going to do it for us tonight. The NFL starts tomorrow. Kansas City and Houston. We'll see how it all plays out tomorrow. 
Sunday on Compass Media Network's coverage of the NFL. It's a week one showdown in the NFC South as Drew Brees and the Saints host Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hi, this is Jeff Biggs. Join Bill Rosinski, Chad Brown, and me for all the action as Tom Brady makes his Bucks debut in the Superdome against the reigning NFC South champs. It's the Saints and Buccaneers in week one action. If it's the NFL, it's right here. Pre-game begins at 145 with kickoff at 2. Sunday on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. 